So we just celebrated a two-year anniversary, and um, tonight, as I introduce our next book, I'm going to do a little bit of reflecting, too. Um, so we've been a lot of places in the last two years, and we've studied a couple of books of the Bible, and we've explored a few topics, too. Um, we've served our community together. We've been through a lot of ups and downs in our personal lives and as a church, I would say. Um, but through it all, we have really learned, I think, um, to love and to listen well. That's if there are some hallmarks of who we are and who we've become, I think loving and listening to each other is something we've learned to do. Um, we spent part of 2016, way back, going over Mosaic's mission to love, learn, lead, and launch, and our culture. And then in the past couple of months, we've also been um, having this weekly testimony or challenge from one of our people here, um, just to remind us of those values, to reinforce those values that we have. So last, last month, it was our mission to love, and this month, Tyler started us off with relationship, um, the importance of healthy relationship. Um, but when I really reflect on our time together, I can see how these values that we say we have, they've become more than just a list on a website or just a tidbit that we talk about on the weekly basis. Um, I think it's actually something that we live. When I look around, I, I see us being generous. I see us valuing relationship. I see us, we decided to add an eighth one. We really value food. <laughs> food is our eighth culture statement. That's why we're um, here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that these are really the heartbeat of who we are. And that's what culture means. It's Culture is what characterizes a people. It's the traits that we share, the attitudes that we have, the goals that we strive for. And so um, I just thought we would think about that a little bit as we start tonight. So last Saturday, Tyler shared um, vision for 2018 and beyond. Um, and he said that he specifically feels God leading us into deeper worship and greater generosity this year. And that these two things will be keys, two keys to spiritual growth for us. Um, and tonight, we're beginning this 10-week series in the book of James. So why did we choose it? Um, James is about a lot of topics. Um, it's about pride and humility. It's about prayer. It's about getting wisdom from God, taming our tongues and our language, um, controlling our bad attitudes, caring for rich people and poor people, not viewing people differently, um, seeing people through God's lenses. Um, and that's all in five short chapters. It's really a short book, unlike Luke that took us almost 11 months to do last year. Um, but most of all, James is about having faith in action, right? Um, in fact, it's so much about action that Martin Luther the father of the Protestant Reformation and the champion of salvation through grace by faith alone, rather than salvation through your works or your deeds, he barely believed that this letter should be in the Bible. Um, he said it was, quote, an epistle of straw compared to Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, and 1 Peter, for it has nothing of the nature of the gospel about it. He thought that the gospel wasn't even in the book of James. Um, 
So he was concerned that this was way too much about action and not enough about God's grace. Um, so again, why did we choose this? We say that Mosaic exists to love, learn, lead, and launch, right? And I think we've gotten pretty good at loving and learning. And by no means have we failed at leading or launching. Um, but I think we can grow in those two areas. And as a church this year, we're actively seeking out ways to lead and launch more, especially with the goals Tyler talked about last week of us giving away 15% of our income to community outreach and missions um, this year. And that goal to take a team on a week-long trip to Puerto Rico, um, connecting with missionaries and pastors there this year. <clears throat> and then another reason is we've also talked about hearing God's voice a lot in our personal lives the past six months. Um, we talked about having a life of communion as we ended 2017, and we read The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence as the supplement to our Saturdays, and we, we talked about different ways to hear from God and connect with Him on a daily basis, and we talked about recognizing that He's always present with us. Um, and then we just finished studying Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in the entire Bible, which is pretty cool. And it's really this poem and love letter in the Word of God to the Word of God, right? Like it's all about how amazing God's Word is and his, the, the fact that He speaks to us. Um, but as we finish these like two topics that are really about like hearing from God and having God with us, and even our, our book study, our small groups are a lot about building those spiritual disciplines in our personal lives. Um, we need a balance. Like what good is hearing the voice of God or learning how to hear the voice of God if we don't learn how to act on what we hear? Um, and that's what James is about. It's about, about acting on what we hear and moving when we hear the voice of God leading us somewhere. James is really a leading and launching book, I think. Um, and so we want to apply its ideas to our activities as a church and to our personal lives. James, um, James is going to say to us, what is faith without action? What are right beliefs without right behavior? Um, what is talk without follow through? And what is passion for God and his word without passion for the world he loves? Um, the world he loves and gave his son for. So who is James? Um, as we introduce, I like to give a little historical background and stuff to set, set the scene for us. Um, so last year we read the Gospel of Luke, and we, we heard about Peter, James, and John. And these were the three men who were m most trusted by Jesus. They were his inner, inner circle. Um, but the writer of this book is probably not that James. Um, not part of Jesus' inner circle, um, most scholars think that this letter was written sometime in the 50s or 60s AD, um, and that James was beheaded, we think, in about 44. So he died too early to have written this letter. Um, in Acts, which is Luke's sequel and a history of the early church, um, we read in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, about that time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. 
And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. So all three of those guys are mentioned here in Acts. And James is the one who's, it's said he was killed. Um, so if that James was dead, what other Jameses, weird word, do we know with this kind of influence um, that their letter would be in, included in the word of God? The only other James that we know, there are a few others, but they don't have this level of authority. Um, the only other one we know is James, the brother of Jesus. And I think it's interesting, this James isn't just like riding his brother's coattails. Don't you think that would be easy? Like, I'm famous because my brother was the son of God, you know? <laughs> He's not just riding his brother's coattails. Um, from our reading in Luke, we don't really get any information about Jesus' siblings. There's not a whole lot there. But when you read the rest of the New Testament, um, we can see that, G that James was around during Jesus' ministry. Um, he was like kind of present in certain situations. You'll read in other Gospels. But he probably didn't buy in or really believe in Jesus until later on. In John 7, 5, we actually read, Not even his brothers believed in him. Simple verse, but it's very clear. Like, Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him. Um, in 1 Corinthians, though, Paul says that Jesus appeared to James and all the apostles after his resurrection. Um, and this is probably when James was fully won over by the good news. Like, his brother died and his brother is back and alive. Like, this brought to life. What an amazing um, story this was. Um, Cats are always doing things to disturb us. <laughs> um, and so after believing in Jesus, James rose very quickly in influence. And, and maybe that was because he was Jesus' brother. I don't know. But he rose in influence very quickly, and he eventually becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Um, and he presides over a very important decision in Acts 15, um, which was not to force non-Jews to be circumcised in order to become followers of Jesus. And I think all of the men present in that meeting that weren't circumcised said, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much that you decided we don't have to get circumcised as adult men. Um, but James's speech in, in Acts chapter 15, it has a lot of similarities in style to this book of James. And so that's one of the reasons that we you know, support this particular James as the author of this letter. So speaking of writing style, what was James's writing style? Um, he uses very strong imagery and simple pictures that would make sense to his audience then and still make sense to us today. There, it, there doesn't seem to be a ton of organization to it. It's a lot of sayings. My dad says this, this is kind of like the Proverbs of the New Testament. He does have some themes that he pulls through, um, but not everything is 100% connected. That's sort of refreshing that he didn't like think it all out and make a nice outline for us. Um, of course, we try to organize it and fix that for him, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> And James uses words and language, um, I found this interesting, that non-Jews, traditional Jews, and Hellenistic Jews, the ones who are influenced by Greek and Roman culture, 
all three of those cultures would understand like where he was coming from. He uses kind of concepts that would draw all three groups together. And he really brings this blend of multiple worlds into his writing. And he also gives us very specific advice. Um, and he's bold and straightforward. And in our own Yvette Young's words, um, he's kind of sassy. He's like, <laughs> gets in your face a little bit. And that's good. That's a good thing. Um, and James isn't a theologian um, like some other New Testament writers were. I mean, we're all theologians in a way, but uh, James doesn't really write like, he doesn't write like one. He doesn't write like he's high and lofty and above everybody else. Um, and yet, as my dad, my dad told me this on the phone this week, James was kind of the big cheese in Jerusalem. He was the big man on campus, you know? But he doesn't act like one. And in fact, he starts out by saying that he's a servant, a slave of God and Jesus Christ. So that's my short introduction. Um, and now we'll actually read James 1, 1 through 18. And then we'll have a little message after that and um, spend some time in musical worship. So first half done. Yvette's going to read for us <laughs> chapter 1, 1 through 18 in the English Standard Version. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdoms, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, humiliation um, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. The flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Thank you. Um, so, James talks about trials in this section. That's one of the biggest things that pops out to me. I don't know what pops out to you. Um, 
And I think to myself, who of us has not faced trials of many kinds in our lives? Um, we keep saying it, but it's true. For many of us in this room, the last two years have been full of trials, right? Um, we just keep coming back to that because that's what a lot of us have been through in the last couple of years. Um, and I think that through that, we've been forced to learn what it means not only to rejoice together, but to suffer together, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, which we studied our first year together here. Um, and we've been weathered and bruised and beaten up and knocked down, but like Tyler said last week, we're scrappy. We keep getting up. Um, and that just seems to be another part of who we are as a church, and as a people. But James says that we are to consider our, tri our trials um, sheer joy, pure joy, or in this version, all joy. And how is that possible? How can we look at trials and consider ourselves blessed? Um, verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. That crown of life is eternal life. Um, James says that when we stand through the trials, through suffering, through pain, um, that endurance will be produced in us. That steadfastness will be the result. And I don't know about you, but I don't really feel like a steadfast and enduring person a lot of times. Um, I feel a little more like the images that James gives us in the middle of this passage. I feel a little more like the doubter or the one who says, I'm being tempted by God. You know, we talked a little bit about that during our discussion today, you know, that we can either sort of blame God or we can lean into God in difficult times. And I feel like there's a certain amount of leaning in that I do, but there's a lot of questioning and a lot of blaming and a lot of doubting that happens too because I'm frustrated and things aren't going my way. Um, and I can feel really defeated. I can feel like I want to give up and I can just rage at God that I there have been times when I've screamed out, this can't be real, this isn't happening right now. Um and I've screamed that out for me, and I've screamed that out for you, too. Just different situations that we face together. And there are times when I feel like um, the one who doubts, like the one that's the wave in the sea that's just tossed and driven by the wind, that's questioning whether God is for me, um, wondering if he's really as generous and as giving as James says he is. I, I feel like there have been times when I've been that fast fading flower, right, withering in the grass with the beauty perishing and just questioning what I, what this verse takes me back to is like the idea in, um, it's Ecclesiastes, like all is vanity, um, all is meaningless, like questioning what life is really about and realizing that in the midst of all of my pursuits, does it, is there any meaning? Is this all meaningless? You know, um, and that's what James is sort of saying about the rich. Like they could be pursuing all of these things. And in the midst of that, just did that have any meaning at all? You know, and so the poor 
in some ways appreciating what they have have a higher position because they can see and appreciate what they have. Um, and because I felt like this, this wave or this flower um, and all of these bad images that James is giving us, I thought to myself and I've wondered, does this make me the double-minded man unstable in all my ways? <laughs> um, but I don't think so. Because I don't think that James is really telling us that um, we can't have any doubts or worries or fear. I think that what James is telling us is that God is so good, so generous, so um, willing to hand out wisdom to anyone when it says ask without doubting, um, that we should trust him when we ask for things, that he's so willing to give us wisdom. Um, and I think that James is really showing us that when we're under trial, we have a choice. So when we're in the midst of trials, we can either choose to believe that God is the originator of the pain and the suffering, that he's doing it to us, um, or we can believe that God is the father of lights. And he's the one who gives wisdom generously to anyone who asks. And I think that in the midst of our trials, as a church and in our personal lives, we could choose to throw in the towel, to just say, forget it, I give up. Um, we could choose to believe that everything is meaningless. Um, and I think that in some moments we could because of the idea of life being meaningless, we could choose to do what verse 14 says. We could choose to, this is another image, conceived desire, let that desire birth sin, and then when sin grows up, it turns into death, right? It's like this idea of a seed growing um, or a child growing. and The adult version of sin is death. So we could, we could choose to have that in our lives, but when I look around and I reflect on where we've been and where we're going, um, I don't see any one of us doing that. I don't see us abandoning everything and choosing to think everything is meaningless or throwing in the towel. Um, I see us as people who have endured. And um, even though I don't always consider myself a steadfast or persevering person, when I look at us as a whole, we have been that together. Um, despite not having all the answers, we're still here. We are still seeking. We are still in pursuit of God and his presence. And um, we're practicing his presence daily, whatever that looks like for us. And I think that these things James says about people who will receive that crown of life are true of us, that we are the people born of the word of truth that James talks about. And we are also first fruits of God's creatures. And I still see us asking for wisdom and believing that God's going to give it. Um, and I don't feel like I'm steadfast every day of the week and I don't feel like I've counted my whole life as joy. Um, but I see endurance growing for all of us. 
um, even people that I don't know very well in this room, just hearing the little bits of your story. I've seen how God has taken you through different periods of your lives um, and brought you here. And so when I look around this room, I see that God has really sustained us. Um, I see that in spite of questions and worries and pain, that we have chosen to believe, um, even in our questions, even in our doubting, we've chosen to believe that God is the steadfast, enduring, and persevering one. And that that's where all of our perseverance could come from, right? Because that's who he is. And I see that we've chosen to view God as the father of light rather than a shifting shadow. Um, I picture like when the sun comes up and it's high noon, you have no shadow. Like I picture God being the light over us and then there's not a shadow around us because God is pure light and he's, um, he's not variable and unpredictable and always changing. And um, I see us recognizing that when our lives change and situations change and relationships change, God hasn't changed. That he's been the steady one. He's the constant one. He's the pursuer of our hearts. And he's the source of every good gift and every perfect gift. And so we can count ourselves blessed. Um, Blessed that we have an unchanging God, and I think blessed that God has given us each other and given us other Christians that we know that are not here tonight or are part of a different church or live in another city or another country. Um, God has given his church to each other to be blessed and to rejoice and suffer together. Um, and so to conclude tonight... Um, you know, earlier we discussed times when we've told, um, when we've told God no, or our difficulties with telling God yes. And we also talked about just becoming a little more leading and launching this year, um, as we're still continuing with the loving and learning together. Um, and I don't know about you, but I have spent a lot of my life overcommitted. Maybe you're a person who it's just easy for you to say no to other people. Um, but I have said yes to far too many activities almost my whole entire life. And I have found the, dif the discipline of like Sabbath and rest very challenging. Um, as long as I can remember, I have battled uh, people pleasing. Um, battled this desire to fulfill every person's expectations of me. And it took me a very long time to say no to things. I was always doing a million activities. Um, and sometimes I wanted to, and sometimes I didn't want to. And it was just to please somebody else or to not disappoint someone else. And so when I did learn the word no, I have spent a lot of time and a lot of headspace um, carefully evaluating like what's worth my time and energy later in life, right? Um, to kind of look at my week and think about, well, how many evenings am I spending out? Or do I really need to add this one more thing to my life? And so I think sometimes 
even though it's a very good thing to find balance and rest, and I'm not knocking that in any way, for me, that has resulted in me becoming kind of skeptical and negative and a no person. Um, I mean, I still stay overcommitted, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm contradicting myself here. But I think sometimes in the back of my mind, I have a no attitude. Um, and so right now, and this year, I feel like I'm trying to relearn the word yes. But not in a people-pleasing way. To learn the word yes in a God-trusting way. Um, Tyler called us tenacious and resilient last week. And I think James would call us steadfast or enduring or persevering. And we've all chosen to just to keep moving. Even a little movement is okay. But we've kept moving even when we didn't have all the answers or we didn't have a full understanding. Um, and we've asked God for wisdom along the way. And I think that that's the most important thing is that we haven't just like stopped or let ourselves become completely derailed. Um, when I look at us, I don't see us as a no attitude type of church. I see us as a yes church. And so um, that's what I want us to learn in reading the book of James. And um, I want us to be able to say yes to an unchanging, immovable God who loves us. And that's faith in action to me. I don't know what is if that isn't. Saying yes to a God who never changes but continues to change our hearts. Um, and so we're going to pray together and then spend some time in musical worship. And I just love that the Holy Spirit had me and Brooke on the same wavelength. She picked a few songs that just have a lot to do about how good God is, um, about how we can trust him, learning how to put that trust into practice a little bit more, and about continuing to praise him even in the midst of hard things, if, in the midst of trials like James talks about. So I'm going to pray for us. Um, God, uh, I just thank you that you are completely trustworthy. Um, my emotions change minute to minute a lot of days. But that doesn't change how you feel about me. And it doesn't change how you feel about us. Um, I thank you that because you are so good, because you are the father of lights, because every good and perfect gift comes from you, we can choose to say yes. We can choose to say yes when we don't see exactly what you're up to, um, when we've got fog in front of our faces and we can't see ten steps ahead. Um, we can choose to answer you with an affirmative, with a positive, with a okay, okay, I'm going to believe that you've, you've got me and you love me. We can give you consent to do in us what you're wanting to do in us. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to say yes to you more often, that we wouldn't resist you. Pray that you would teach us to put our faith into action, that it would be more than talk. Teach us to lead 
and serve one another. Teach us to launch into our community and to show your unending love to other people. Um, I thank you for just producing this endurance in each one of us, and I thank you for being present with us every second of every day. You never leave us. Um, and I thank you that because of you, we lack nothing. You make us whole and complete, and uh, you give us wisdom. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen.